Welcome into Always the Jags, where we talk all things Jacksonville Jaguars, all things Duval, all things NFL. We're going to talk a little bit about fantasy football, how I did for my first weekend, and we're going to go around the NFL with our game picks. And again, you find it all here, Always the Jags. If you like this channel, please feel free to give a like and subscribe, trying to grow in our pride, uh, podcast prowess, you could say. Um, and so, you know, the more followers, if you enjoy talking about the Jaguars, this is the place for you. Um, so we'll start with, so obviously the Jaguars won this weekend. It was a 10-point victory over the Colts, 31-21, to which most of us expected a victory. Um, in fact, most of the times, if you heard that the Jaguars won by 10 points, I mean, based upon the past five years or so, we would be elated. We would be super excited, like, oh my God, we finally won. Um, but this time, you know, many people were a little bit worried about the Jaguars, even after this win. So. We're going to talk a little bit about um, should we be concerned or not with the win, some of the good that came out of the win, and some of the bad. We'll start with the good things. Obviously, the same thing that everyone's thinking. Calvin Ridley is a monster. I cannot wait until he fills up, you know, pages of highlights from his debut as a Jaguar until he has more highlights as a Jaguar than he ever did as a Falcon. I was watching his highlights just the other day. And I was, you know, thinking like, man, he's like kind of the complete package. Like he's so good on his routes. He'll make guys miss. He has such good hands, such great hands. And he's got speed, you know, because there are a lot of speed guys in the NFL that don't have hands or a lot of really good route running guys. They're just not that fast. But Calvin really is almost like a perfect mix of all three. And I was like, you know, I think he's going to be really good for us. You know, some people worried about him shaking off rust. I didn't see any rust. First half, over 100 yards, caught a touchdown, could have had another one if he didn't step out of bounds. It was, it was the complete package. Um, I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a dynamic um, number one wide receiver. And I think my only complaint about his usage, or my only complaint about him, is that like he's too good, almost. like Obviously, Trevor saw how good he was in camp and really wanted to get him involved today. And it's like, Trevor, Calvin Ridley is going to eat. But you, uh, one of the, I was listening to Pete Prisco's podcast and he noticed that Trevor was kind of locked on to Calvin. And um, I agree. He was kind of, it seemed like he, if, if it seemed like he wanted to get the ball to Calvin Ridley more than anybody else, which again, if Calvin Ridley's having a day, by all means, let him go off. But in the second half, Calvin Ridley didn't have any catches and our offense actually stalled a lot. And it, it, we weren't able to score as much in the second half because they took away Ridley. And it's almost like Trevor, he either went there first or didn't know where to go after that. And like, you still had Christian Kirk in the slot, who was our number one guy last year. Evan Ingram had a great catch when Trevor finally started looking beyond Ridley. And Trevor kept Zay Jones in the contest. So I don't know if, I noticed on a lot of their um, two wide receiver sets, they were using a lot of Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. So... I was thinking that their two wide receiver sets would be more like Calvin Ridley and Kirk. But I guess Kirk isn't as good on the outside as Jones is. Kirk is just kind of a slot man. And so if you're running two tight end sets, you probably take Kirk out of the slot and put Ingram or Strange in. So it looks like Kirk's not going to be playing as many snaps as we thought this year. But anyway, the good part is Trevor Lawrence looked really good. Um, and so did Calvin Ridley. Travis Etienne obviously still has it. He, that touchdown run was incredible because he couldn't get through that hole. You know, there wasn't a hole opening up, so he was able to bounce it out, but he was able to bounce it out to the outside and make a really nice play there. Um, 
more good things that we're going over. Trayvon Walker, I think he had one sack. Um, so I guess he's on pace for double-digit sacks as of today. Granted, again, it was the Colts' offensive line, which did not get any better in the offseason. They are still hot garbage. So, you know, we could take that as far as we want to take it. But Trayvon Walker got a sack. And Josh Allen himself got three sacks, which, I don't know, I wasn't watching the game and feeling like I saw a man possessed, like, on fire, like, dominating the game, like, you see Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa or Micah Parsons against the Giants. Um, I don't know if I'd say Josh Allen was in the backfield the whole game, you know? I think he was just kind of in the right place at the right time a lot. But three sacks is three sacks. Now, I hope this is an improvement of skill and, like, him getting better and not just, you know, like, a good game. Because those three sacks are going to, as he builds on more of the season, that's going to influence his contract. And it's like, you know, I want Josh Allen to get a good contract from us, and I want him to stay with the Jaguars. But I also don't want us to be paying for a guy who got three sacks on a fluky, if it was a fluky day. Again, I don't necessarily think that it was, but it's just... It's not like, again, we didn't see him like in the backfield all day. Like DeForest Buckner was in the backfield. He might as well have been an offensive lineman for the Jaguars because he was in the backfield constantly. And I guess we'll talk about some of the bad, some of the ugly. Our interior of- offensive line needs help, needs work. And um, it has me a little, you know, before this podcast came out, I was saying a lot how we're probably going to trade Cam Robinson. Probably going to hold off on that talk for right now because. The worst thing about Sunday was definitely the interior offensive line, and now the entire league knows it, and now we're about to go up against Chris Jones. So, um, because Luke Fortner, who had gotten bigger and stronger in the offseason, looked poised to take another step, and I think he still can, but he didn't play very well. He struggled. Ben Barch struggled a lot, and then Brandon Scherf got hurt, but Brandon Scherf was struggling before he got out. Now, again, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart are playing are extremely good defensive tackles. But it does have me a little concerned because if everybody knows they can hit us from the inside, well, their edge guys, they're just going to, you know, rotate them into the inside. You know, we don't want to be facing. I don't think we play the Cowboys this year, but as an example, Micah Parsons can rush from anywhere along the defensive line. So we can be lined up on the edge. The defensive coordinator knows that our inside guys are a little weaker. Michael Parsons is going to drop back and come in through the middle and beat one of them. And so, and of course, you've got some really good defensive tackles. We got to play Jeffrey Simmons twice a year. We're about to play Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs because they got their contract dispute resolved. So it's definitely a concern and something to keep in mind as we go forward because maybe our best offensive line configuration might be Walker Little in at guard and then Cam Robinson back at left tackle. So that way we can get some strength back up there. And again, continue to hope that Luke Fortner can grow. And hopefully Brandon Scherf was just kind of getting back into things. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Um, it's just, it's definitely an area of concern. I don't know if it means that they were just playing bad today. Maybe Phil Rauscher will help get them. People say in the last couple of openers, our offensive line didn't play as well. So we'll see. But they are going to be crucial for our success because Trevor's going to need time to deliver the ball to our guys like Calvin Ridley. The edge on the outside, our left tackles, Walker Little and um, Anton Harrison. I always thought Walker Little was good. He played another great game um, this past Sunday. Anton Harrison, he had a little more rookie struggles than we th- I think we thought we were getting. Um, I think if he didn't have such a great preseason, we wouldn't be surprised if he, that he struggled a little bit. But um, 
with how good his preseason was, we were all kind of a little surprised. Like, oh, kind of thought he was going to be better. But again, he's a rookie. Um, and I still think he did pretty good for going for being a rookie. Um, he was, and again, he wasn't going against a top flight defensive end though. You know, he's going against Quiddy Pay. Um, probably a couple of times he went against um the other guy. I, I his name blanks out on me, but those guys from the Colts are still very young, still very learning what it means to rush the passer in the NFL. So, and again, Walker Little wasn't facing DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. So, it's a little bit different, maybe a little bit um. Maybe that could be why they struggle, just because of the level of competition. But even still, the level of competition is only going to get higher. And, you know, like Walker Little held his own against, was it Khalil Mack? No, there is some, yeah, Walker Little held his own against Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa when the Chargers faced the Jaguars last year. So we don't have to worry about, you know, competition for Walker Little. He's shown that he can beat, he can play offensive tackle against the best of them. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think there was like really any glaring issues. Um, I think it was just like little mistakes, if that makes sense. Like to me, the interior line is a glaring issue throughout the entire game. But if you remove a couple of just dumb mistakes, this game is a blowout. You know, like Tank Bigsby. Both of the mistakes were really on Tank Bigsby because the first time Trevor Lawrence threw a ball, it ended up being an interception because it went through Tank Bigsby's hands. Again, you're not going to catch every ball in the NFL, and he is a rookie, but you're in the NFL. You play professional football. That's a ball we got to catch. It was kind of acrobatic. You know, it was a little bit hard for him to you know, get his hands on it, but that's a catch that, you know, I feel like Travis Etienne probably would have made it. Um, so I don't know if that means to Doug Peterson, maybe. I don't know why Tank Big. Like, I'm sure he was in the game for a reason, but it's. Press Taylor's doing the play calls. I apologize. I'm sure Press Taylor had Tank Bigsby in the game for a reason, but until he can do stuff like that consistently, maybe just let him pound it in and do what he's good at um, instead of having him be a check down. Because, I mean, like I said, Travis Etienne in that situation, he's got the frame. I think he could catch it. So um, I'm not trying to blame Press Taylor. I'm not even really trying to blame Bigsby. Just the interception definitely wasn't Trevor Lawrence's fault. It's going to go down against him, but. It definitely wasn't his fault. If you erase that mistake, we were driving down the field, could have been a different outcome. And then the flukiest play that I've seen in a long time, of course, was Trevor's fumble that Bigsby picked up and then had it punched out, and then DeForest Buckner took it for a touchdown. Now, some people are like, why didn't Bigsby go down? It's like, he clearly, clearly thought it was an incomplete pass. It was a bang-bang play. Trevor's arm looked like it was going forward. And then he took it and it bounced off the ground. He caught it and he was thinking incomplete pass. However, cardinal rule of football, you keep playing until the whistle. So even if you think it's an incomplete, but even based upon what you see, it doesn't matter what you see. It matters what the refs see. So you keep playing until there's a whistle. You act like someone could, he should have caught the ball and then immediately went down or just turned around and started running. But I would probably would just immediately went down. But um, even the Colts, like Quiddy Pay, he was right there. He didn't try to punch it out because he thought it was an incomplete pass too. That was the way he saw it. A bunch of players stopped. It was only the savvy veterans that realized this play is still going. I can knock that ball out and that's our ball. And that's a, that was a very heads up veteran play. Like people say it was weird. It was fluky. It was, just an, it was just an instance of a veteran using his experience on a rookie. Because, I mean, college football gives you a lot of experience. But sometimes that stuff doesn't always happen. Um, and 
that defensive back, again, can't think of his name at this moment, but he definitely took advantage of Bigsby and got themselves a great play. So again, if you remove those two plays, who, which were rookie mistakes by Bigsby, there wasn't really a whole lot to be upset about. Um, I think our um, watching the Chiefs game this past Thursday and watching how many yards we gave up in the slot, Trey Herndon had a good game, but I can't help but think like, wow, what if Brian Branch was out there after he got a pick six against the Colts? And again, he was in the right place at the right time, but it's kind of hard to, to not fathom it. And it looks like the Lions are probably going to keep him in the slot and they're going to keep CJ Gardner-Johnson in the um, safety position. So that ruins my idea of trading for him as a better nickel. So we'll see. I think Trey Herndon held his own, but like when Anthony Richardson hit Josh Downs for one play and it went for like 23 yards, Downs was making everybody miss. Like he had so much shiftiness and that's what worried because he completely got away from Herndon. And so that's what kind of worries me. Like our, our slot to me is still not really set up. Um, but while we're talking about cornerbacks, and, um, you know, I already mentioned the good things of the game. We're going to go over the, some of the great things of the game, and that is Tyson Campbell. If you ask me, people say, like, you know, oh, Josh Allen was the best player on the field that day with three sacks. And, yes, you know, he ran Anthony Richardson out of bounds, which is not easy because Anthony Richardson is fast. And it's good to have a fast defensive end like Josh Allen to be able to do that. However, the, to me, the defensive player of the game is Tyson Campbell. Because he was playing lockdown, he didn't get beat. Um, the only time he did get beat was when he got blocked on a bad on that Michael Pittman touchdown, and the safety should have came up a little bit quicker. Someone mentioned that Rayshon Jenkins looked a little bit slow. Um, I think he's slower than Michael Pittman because Pittman is about four or five years younger. But anyway, Tyson Campbell he made the interception right when we needed it because we had, if I'm not mistaken, we'd either just scored. The momentum was starting to shift back in our favor, but the momentum had just went on the Colts because Anthony Richardson had just scored. So he could have easily taken it back. Tyson Campbell made the play that sealed the game. He also punched the ball out a couple of times. It's really showing the way he's growing into an all-around corner. And it's funny because when we drafted him, I did not like him. I didn't like the pick. I didn't like the way he played against the Bengals when they had him in the nickel. I thought it was a terrible pick. And now, just a short two, maybe three years, no, two years later, he's easily our best cornerback and one of the best in the NFL and criminally underrated. To me, he was the best player on that field. Um, I mean, maybe we don't win if you take out Josh Allen and those sacks. But to me, if you take out Tyson Campbell, we do not win that game. And we lose to the Colts with a rookie quarterback. And that would have set the whole season in a completely different spin. So... I think Tyson Campbell was definitely the best defensive player on the field that day. Um, and I look forward to him sticking around in Jacksonville for a long time. Moving forward, now we got to face the Chiefs. So now we're talking about what that's going to be like. It looks like Chris Jones resolved his contract dispute. And Travis Kelsey's knee is getting better. So we're going to be facing the Chiefs at full strength. I was watching the... Um, Tony Baselli's podcast, he does the Pete Bridgeco, and he was like, you know, as a professional, I would tell Travis Kelsey, you need at least one more week to stay off that knee. Just give it at least one more week. Because um, when the Chiefs play the Lions, man, were their secondary weapons bad. Like, beyond Travis Kelsey, those guys did not do Patrick Mahomes any favors. 
And I would feel a lot more comfortable if that we had a chance if Travis Kelsey was not playing. I honestly would feel a lot more comfortable if we had a chance if Chris Jones was still in this contract dispute. And if we didn't see the offensive line just get dominated by DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. So, it'll be an interesting day. Um, I still think there's potential for the Jaguars to win. Because if you look at what we did in the playoffs last year. Again, Trevor Lawrence threw that ball to Jamal Agnew. Had it punched out. It happens. You know, Jamal Agnew is still a fantastic player. Oh, and we don't talk about um, one thing I forgot to mention. And that punt return that Jamal Agnew completely gave us the position to be able to win that game. Jamal Agnew's punt return, that is what enabled us to win that game. And he is still such, that is a game-changing play. And so I, I think I would give my game ball to him. Because while, every, again, everyone did their part. Calvin Ridley was a monster. Trevor Lawrence was giving it to him. Tyson Campbell was playing great defense. So was Josh Allen. But when the Jaguars needed a play, one play to change the whole momentum back in their favor, where do we get it? Jamal Agnew. If he fields it or if he gets tackled at the five, we don't win. If he gets tackled where the ball landed, which happens to a lot of guys, or if he called for a fair catch, we don't win. But he took it. He knew that we needed a spark. and He went 48 yards. And like with Jamal, like with some returners, you know, returns are kind of fluky things. Like, you know, you can't really plan it. Jamal Agnew has done this so many times for us. And it makes you realize that punt returners are not just valuable, you know, if they run a touchdown. Or even if they run it, you know, 70 yards. 40 yards was a lot. And it put us, it fired up the entire team and enabled us to drive down the field. And then Tanks Bigsby punched it in. And that's my point with Tanks Bigsby as well. You know, the way they had him punch it in towards the goal line, the way the whole offensive line, when it looked like he, he was stopped, he was still going. And they pushed him and got him a few extra yards. And that was a huge play too, because I think that was second and seven or eight I want to say before that and we were close to the goal line but it looked like he had been stopped with only about a couple of yards and so had he been stopped for that it would have been third and long and that would have been our last shot and we would have had we were down by four we would have had to decide okay field goal to tie it or try to get try to get the touchdown on fourth down if you don't get it now the Colts have it and so him being able to force and push it to get the first down and then get the touchdown, that was, that was a great play by Bigsby. And I'm glad Doug didn't give up on him after those two terrible plays that he made. To me, it's like, just let him stay in his element, and then we'll add some of the other stuff a little bit later. He doesn't need to be running routes. He doesn't need to be going out there, <laughs> catching screen. Now, he may be catching screen passes and stuff, but let's work on his hands first. Right now, just let him punch it in. Punch it in when you need one, two yards. Because ETN can't do that. ETN could have done those other two plays that Bigsby messed up on and probably would have, wouldn't have, um, you know, stopped or would have caught the ball. Bigsby, however, can punch it in and keep going with, you know, 10 guys on his back. So anyway, moving on, because we're still talking about how the Jaguars are going to defeat the Chiefs. It's really hard to come up with like a recipe to say. I'll just, you know, we talk about what matchups do we have. And how would we exploit those? And so, like, starting with our offense versus their defense, when you look at our offensive line versus their defensive line, it's like, interior-wise, we are outmatched. Chris Jones could probably take on all three of those guys and still win, based upon the way he was playing. If Brandon Scherf can get right, he has the talent to 
um, slow down or maybe even stop Chris Jones, like when he's at his peak. But he just got an ankle injury in this game. He came back in, didn't play even worse than when he was initially feeling it. It's like when he's hurt with anything, his level of play obviously crashes. Um, and that's anybody would do that. But Brandon Scherf is hurt very often. So it's hard to know if he's going to be able to help neutralize Chris Jones. And um, all Chris Jones is going to be seeing is Ben Barch, and he's just going to line up on him. He's watching the tape probably right now. Like, Ben Barch, I'm going to line up on him, and I'm going to destroy him. So we're going to need someone to help out with that, either, like, have a running back in there, Bigsby, to chip him. Trevor Lawrence is going to have to know where Chris Jones is at all times and roll away from him. Um, on the edges, on the outside, I think we kind of have an advantage because – Anton Harrison, I believe, will be going up against another rookie. I can't think of who else the Chiefs have to rush the passer. I know they have George Karlaftis. And George Karlaftis, I believe Walker Little should be able to handle him. Um, Walker Little is a little bit more experienced. George Karlaftis, he's, he's a very talented player, but he hasn't really got it going yet. So that should be an assignment that Walker Little can handle, keeping him away from Trevor Lawrence. And so for, Tre- for Trevor's got to know, our interior of our offensive line is definitely an advantage the Chiefs have because Chris Jones is going to wreck shop on them. And Trevor is just going to either have to use quick throws or some rollouts or some extra dialed-in protection from Press Taylor to avoid that. And hopefully they scheme that up well and they don't put too much faith in like, oh, Ben Barch had a bad game, he'll be better. No, 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 no. Chris Jones is better than DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart combined and get that man some help and get Trevor out of the way receivers versus their um cornerbacks they have very talented um corner secondary you know um you know I'm including our pass catchers I guess I should say tight ends versus their tight ends and wide receivers versus their secondary they have very talented secondary it's also very young our guys are a lot more experienced than they are I think their best corner Trent McDuffie is in his second year Legereus Sneed is in like his third or fourth year he he's the really good nickel slash safety um and the rest of the guys they have justin reed on there who's played against us for a while so we know justin reed pretty well um but calvin ridley is you know he's an established veteran so is christian kirk so is zay jones they've all been doing it for at least four or five years apiece so hopefully that experience will enable them to help um beat those guys i haven't seen any of the chiefs outside guys really lock somebody up and really um you know they haven't really started playing on an island in that way you can still beat them and if they leave them in man coverage these guys are going to hurt you so we'll probably see a lot of three wide receiver sets hopefully we'll see more kirk um because if they put sneed outside you know if they put sneed in the slot he could probably cover kirk pretty well but someone's gonna have to help cover ridley and jones because zay jones will run by you and Calvin Ridley's got to be double teamed because he even beat a double team against the Colts. So that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. But I think I would give the advantage to our Jaguars wide receivers, our Jaguars receivers and pass catchers against the Chiefs secondary. Um, now, when it comes to um, the second level, their linebackers um, versus our run game, I would say. Nick Bolton is a tackling machine. Their linebackers are very good um, at you know, getting stuffs, getting good tackles and not allowing you to break free. Willie Gay is also very good. So for that one, you know, it kind of depends. If we're bouncing a run to the outside, Travis Etienne can definitely outrun them. But if those guys shoot the gap or they're able to get around and get the tackle while Travis Etienne is going down, 
I don't even know if Tank Bigsby can break a tackle from them. He probably would need some help, someone pushing from behind him. Um, but once he lowers his shoulder, maybe he can make him stagger a little bit. So it's hard to really know like who has the advantage there, our running backs versus their linebackers. I would probably give it to our running backs just because we have a deep, um, a deep class of running backers. And if we're able to see both of the Chiefs guys, they're not really speed guys. They're more shorthanded tackler guys. So I would think ETN kind of gets the advantage because he's a little bit faster than them. So if we can use that to our advantage, running backs can get an advantage over the linebackers. Or if Doug plays and sees that like, oh, these linebackers are actually moving pretty fast. Let me put Bigsby in because Bigsby can use that power to just knock him down and keep going. So that's how we um, um, stand up on the offensive side of the ball. Really, I think the advantage should be us because I think our pass catchers and running backs can overwhelm their linebackers and secondary. It's just our interior line versus Chris Jones. That's it. That is the number one advantage the Chiefs has, and they are going to milk it. They might even do three-man. Well, they'll probably do at least a four-man rush, but because he's so good, it'll allow them to do four-man rushes and drop all their guys back into coverage, giving Trevor almost nowhere to go with the ball, and he's going to run out of time because Chris Jones is probably going to try to beat up on our offensive linemen. So. That's something Trevor will have to keep in mind as well. He might have to use his legs a little bit. It'll be an interesting game. Next, we're trying to match up our offense, or we're trying to match up our defense with the Kansas City offense. So now the Kansas City offensive line got a huge blow last year because um, both of their starting tackles from last year are gone. Now, Orlando Brown, I don't know how much better he is than Jawan Taylor because um, Jawan Taylor played great last year. However, now everybody's noticing those false starts that he was doing for a good part of his career. So we'll see. Um, I almost would prefer if we'll see exactly what happens because they have Donovan Smith on the other side, who's a very experienced guy. And Trayvon Walker, I believe, could beat Donovan Smith. But I don't know if Trayvon Walker has learned any moves yet. Like, I didn't even get a chance to see that one sack that he got. And so if Trayvon Walker has learned some moves, Maybe, but for right now, the experienced tackles who have been doing it for a while, they have the moves to just stop Trayvon Walker's bull rush. So um, Mike Taylor will probably have to look at that and see because Josh Allen probably has some more moves that can kind of confuse Donovan Smith. He has more tricks in his tool bag that he can use against Donovan Smith. And the Trey Walker against Jamal, against Jawan Taylor, maybe they know each other well because like they've gone against each other in practice. And again, Juwan Taylor is experienced, but Josh Allen can take advantage of the fact that Donovan Smith may have lost a step as he gets older, and Trayvon Walker can take advantage of the fact that Juwan Taylor gets uh, a little a little feisty. You know, Trayvon just has to like inch up, or you know, he can do a little something to try to make Juwan Taylor jump off sides because apparently he does false starts a nice amount of time, which is which is pretty funny. Pointing it out, like going from a small market team like the Jaguars, where like I guess maybe he could get away with it. But everybody watches the Chiefs, so now it's like on national television and broadcast, and now the refs are looking at him. I think it's very funny. Um, I think either way, both of them have the advantage to take. Uh, both of them have the skills to take advantage of each skill set. Like if Trayvon Walker can just learn a couple moves to where he can use his speed advantage, because he definitely has speed on Donovan Smith. Trayvon Walker will beat him, and I think Josh Allen knows Jawan Taylor enough to beat him. So. I'm going to give the edge actually to our edge guys because if Joe, if Josh Allen can channel what he did yesterday in this game, he can beat their tackles. He can beat them. So 
I would give the advantage to our edge guys um, because, again, I think Josh Allen has the talent and the power to be able to do it. And that might open it up a little bit more for Trayvon Walker. As far as the interior line goes, that is a very stout group. And we are probably just going to be able to try to stop the run. Those guys are extremely stout in pass protection. And they're going to give Patrick Mahomes all the time that he needs. So, like, my advice, I would probably still rush four. You know, I don't think Devon Hamilton is back. But rushing four because, you know, your interior guys aren't going to beat them. But on the edges, you know, at least one of them will win. And maybe you can use good coverage in the back to get a sack. Um, because, again, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith, they're all going to be very good. So if you rush five guys and three come on the interior, I have no doubt that the Chiefs interior line guys can take all three of any interior guys that we rush. But if the Chiefs decide they need to double team one because there's only two coming at them, Devon Hamilton or something like that, and then we still got our one-on-ones on the edges, because it's really hard for a guard to go out and help when someone's on the edge. So if we can do that, then our edge guys might be able to win and might help get to pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Um, as far as their pass catchers versus our secondary, again, I'm going to give the nod to our secondary just because Travis Kelsey, he is incredible and he really sets the tone for everything. But he is one guy. He's one guy. And again, he's great. But I'm like, if we can get, if we can find the right matchup to cover him, I don't know if it's Tyson Campbell. I don't know if it's Rayshon Jenkins. Um, at least if we can double him, you know, uh, double him with a linebacker and somebody else, we can take advantage. We can one-on-one should be able to neutralize all their other pass catchers. Kadarius Toney was absolute garbage in the last game. So was Sky Moore. And Rasheed Rice actually played a pretty swell game. He might emerge and become their number one receiver by um, game three, honestly. But he's still a rookie. And so if we can double up Travis Kelsey and really take him away and make sure there's two people on him every time he's on that field, Tyson Campbell can erase Tony or more, whoever you want. Um, And the rest of our guys should be able to handle one-on-ones well without those guys getting open. So that, um, I think that will be the, that, that can get us the win for the secondary. So I'm going to give the nod to our secondary. Um, so right now, for the Chiefs' strengths, I have the interior O-line. They get the nod there. But for the Jaguars, I think our edge and secondary do kind of outpace what they have. Um, as far as our linebackers and their, lineba- and their you know, rushing attack, again, Foye Luakon is just a tackling machine, led the league in tackles two years now. Um, I think he should be able to handle Pacheco. Uh, I don't think Pacheco is too fast for him. Jarek McKinnon might be catching it out of the backfield, and that's really where Devin Lloyd has to step up his game because based upon that, if everything's locked up on the outside from our secondary, Travis Kelsey is doubled. Patrick Mahomes has got edge guys bearing down on him, but he's got a wall in front of him, interior line. He's going to be dumping it off to his guys, to Jarek McKinnon, to guys underneath, and Devin Lloyd is supposed to be that sideline-to-sideline tackler we got to see him step up and be able to do it. So for right now, I'm going to say that they're tied because um, Devin Lloyd didn't flash in this game, but it's crazy because he has the ability and he's done it. He just has got to be consistent with it. And so if he can do that, Jaguars could sneak away with the win. Officially, on my schedule prediction, I predict that we would win to the Colts. So, so far, so good. Still ready to go 13-4. and four. Um, I did predict that we would lose, however, to the Chiefs. I still think that's true. Chris Jones is just 
too insane of a human being and a football player. Um, and so is Travis Kelsey. So I'm going to say that the Jaguars could potentially still lose this game. I'll be going nuts if they win. Um, but I definitely feel a lot better about a lot of my other predictions, especially with the way the Bills fell flat. Definitely think the Jaguars are going to be able to beat them. But for right now, I do think Patrick Mahomes gets right. I would love to see us 2-0. and My official prediction is that we will be 1-1 and after this game. So we can take a moment to quickly look around the NFL. Um, like Joe Burrow, what was that? Ryan Tannehill also played a terrible game. Some of the rookie QBs all looked like rookies. No one really stood out and had, you know, a good game. Um, really proud of uh, our brothers in Miami, um, Tua, tossing it to Tyreek Hill. That was an insane game and the exact kind of game that the NFL wants because that's what brings in money. And so if they keep doing that, I mean, we might meet the Dolphins to the playoffs because we know we're going to the playoffs. Uh, fantasy football-wise, I was able to get two victories. Whoop in three different leagues. Um, I got In one league, I have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Jefferson. And so, thankfully, they both um, came through with some pretty big games. And it was in a PPR league. I've noticed running backs are kind of hard. Good ones are kind of hard to come by. There's not really a lot of bell cows out there right now. Like, before, you know, there was like, a couple years ago, there was like four or five running backs who were bell cows. They would carry the rock every single time. Guys like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb was one of them at one point. Christian McCaffrey was one of them. And McCaffrey still had a phenomenal day. Um, and he's probably the only one left because, like, even Derrick Henry, they've spelled him. They spelled Nick Chubb. They spelled Josh Jacobs. I think a lot more teams are more going for the running back by committee approach where, like, maybe you have a paid running back and then a rookie, and people just like doing it. Even in the Chargers game, like, Joshua Kelly was vulturing some goal line takes from Austin Eckler. And I was like, what's going on? I need Austin Eckler to punch it in so I can win. So that was really intense. Um, for any Jets fans out there, sorry about Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm not like a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, but I get it. I mean, you know, that's messed up. And I have Gary, so I'm very upset about that because his stock immediately goes down. But yeah, all in all, um, pretty good week to get started. Pretty good week to be a Jaguars fan. Again, we expected this victory, but, you know, the fact that we are complaining that we scored 31 points and we didn't even play that well, like, there's far more flaws to pick out in this game than there are actually good things, and we still score 21, 31 points. And it's like, wow. Like, again, if you remove those Bigsby um, mistakes, the game could have been 36, 21, could have been maybe in the 40s if those one of those went for a touchdown. So it's a good problem to have, you know. Um, I'm sure that's going to be Doug's message to his guys, like, you know, hey, you got the win this week, but it's not always going to be this easy. You guys, he's going to tell them, like, you guys have the talent to go out there and beat the Chiefs. You have the talent to go beat the Eagles. You have the talent to go beat the 49ers. But are you going to do it? That's the question. Are we going to let these, or are we going to let stupid mistakes keep us from winning? So. Um, yeah, that's it for week one. Talking about the Colts. Um, again, game picks for next week. I do think the Jags are going to lose to the Chiefs. Um, but let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you think the Jaguars are doing enough um, and what that game is going to look like. And of course, never forget, it was always the Jags.